Father, we we trust you. We trust you. We put our hope in you. You are our strong tower, the one in whom our hope is found. You are with us. Your promises declared over and over again that you are a God who is with us, that we do not need to be afraid or dismayed for the Lord, our God, is with us everywhere we go. And we give you thanks for that. And on this journey that we are on as a church, it very much is a journey. May we discover you more each day. And as we discover you, be given strength to discover you more. And be given strength to discover you more and more and more. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be uh, concluding our sermon series this Sunday uh, called Discovering Trinity. We've talked about, well, really four words. One word and three words, okay? So the one word is the word revival. At Trinity, we, we, we dream to see revival. We want to see God's people being awakened to a love that never ends and pursue that love with intensity. We want to see that. We want to see other people who are far from God coming close to God, discovering this love. We want to see that here at Trinity. And we believe that a part of our, the way we can see that happen is through the three words that we've been talking about. And the first is prayer. Prayer, it is absolutely necessary for revival. We need to pray and seek the Lord. The second word, last week we talked about truth and how Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. And that truth was the truth of the kingdom of God. And so at Trinity, we want to pursue that kingdom because it is the truth that Jesus came to bear witness to. And today we're going to talk about love. Now, Jesus said this in John 13, verse 34 to 35. And I'm wondering if we could all read this together. We're going to do something a little bit different today, okay? Why don't we all stand uh, at this time? Let's all stand. And we're going to read this together. It's a command from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to make things even more awkward, okay, why don't we hold hands, okay? Don't worry. It's only going to be 10 seconds, okay? Just 10 seconds, okay? Let's hold hands and let's read this together. Uh, I'm going to join the ranks here, okay? All right. Let's read. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Thank you. You may be seated. You can keep holding hands if you want to, but... Now, in those two verses, verse 34 and 35 of chapter 13 in the book of John, Jesus mentions... Love one another three times. He said it three times. 
A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. He could not have made his point any clearer. Maybe if he said it a fourth time, but you get the point. Love one another. Now this commandment that Jesus gave, it wasn't necessarily a new commandment. You see, the Jewish people knew to love one another. Leviticus 19, 17 says, love your neighbor as yourself. This was one of the, the, the commandments in the law. So the people would have known this. But you see, watch what Jesus says. You know what he says? He says, love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Well, if you look at the entire chapter of John chapter 13, you'll see the famous story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Here's the Son of God. God in humanity, in human form. And he is on bended knee, washing his disciples' feet. And then afterwards, he commands the disciples to do likewise. This is unbelievable. In fact, the disciples didn't know how to respond to this. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus demonstrated a type of love that the disciples did not expect to see. Peter didn't know what to do. He's like, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, listen, I have to do this in order for you to take part in me. Oh, then wash everything then, Lord. Right? They didn't know how to receive it. It, didn't, it was a love that didn't come naturally to them. It was truly a love that was supernatural. And Jesus goes on to say this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have this type of love for one another. The type of love that Jesus demonstrated. It's supernatural. We need to know more about this love. John 3.16 shows us this love. This is a verse that is often quoted, often memorized, and yet it's so easy to just pass through this verse, just let it pass by. But it's so deep, it's so rich, and so we're going to camp here this morning on John 3.16. Okay? So I'm just going to read it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Today we're going to talk about five things that we learn about love in John 3.16. I believe it's important, very essential, because at Trinity our aim is to be a place where God's love is evident 
Okay? So the first part, the first part of the verse, for God so loved the world. The Greek word for world there is the word cosmos. Cosmos. Cosmos has few different meanings. It can mean universe. It could mean the inhabitants of the world. It can also mean the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men and women alienated from God. Now, this last meaning is used in the New Testament and other places. For instance, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The world, cosmos, those who are alienated from God. John chapter 7, verse 7 says, The world cannot hate you. Okay, again, the word cosmos. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. And so the word cosmos can refer to sinful humanity. And what this verse is saying is, for God so loved sinful humanity. This kind of love is what we call unconditional love. God loves us. Not because of what we do or what we don't do. Because of who we are. He loves the world unconditionally. The next thing that we learn in John 3.16 is that he gave. Okay? He gave. He demonstrated that love. God did something about it. God's love for creation wasn't just an abstract thought that we came up with, philosophically just came up with. Okay? God's love for humanity isn't a theological disposition that we just deduce. God demonstrated his love. He proved it. He did something about it. Now, in any relationship, in order for it to be healthy, we must give. Let's imagine for a moment. Perhaps you may know someone like this. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But let's imagine for a moment in a, in a relationship of whatever kind. It could be between husband, wife, friends, co-workers, family members, two human beings in each other's space, okay? And, and one of those people, it's always all about them, right? What their needs are, what their wants are, what their desires are, and there's no give. There's just none. Could you imagine a relationship like that? That would not be a good relationship. It would be a very difficult situation to be in. Perhaps in a marriage relationship, the husband or the wife will say, I love you, but will do absolutely nothing to show it. That can be a pretty difficult situation. Because a relationship is not about what the other person can give to me. It's about what I can bring to the relationship to the other person. That's a true relationship. Well, God has done that. He did something for us. He gave. Number three, what did he give? He gave his only son. 
The part I want to emphasize is only. God gave his one and only son. There is nothing else that God could give. He gave his only son, one and only son. You see, it's one thing to give out of our abundance, but it's something totally different when we give something that we only have one of. Let's just imagine if it's like minus 40 degrees outside, right? Freezing cold. Not to be the bearer of bad news, but it's coming, folks, okay? (laughs) It's freezing cold outside, and you see someone walking by. They're not wearing a jacket, okay? Now, if we had several coats, several jackets, it wouldn't be a big sacrifice to give them one of ours, right? I remember I was working at Ray of Hope, and... uh, you know, in the drop-in center. It was freezing cold outside. And uh, there was this young man, young guy, maybe 20. And he didn't have a jacket on. He just had a, like, a, like a spring coat. And it was freezing outside. It's like a blizzard out. And I had, I had this nice uh, uh, coat that I bought from uh, Value Village. Um, it was like styling, like a Kramer. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Kramer jacket? Have, have you, right? It has the fur on the collar. I, oh, man, it was like, really nice, right? Allie had sewn new buttons on it, and it it just, I thought I was like styling, profiling everywhere I was going, okay? This is just one of my favorite jackets. I got it for like 10 bucks. I was like, woo, right? Score. And uh, so I see this young man coming in. He has no jacket, and I just thought, oh, well, I've got another one. In fact, I have like three other ones. And I just fell in my heart, oh, I think I should give him my jacket. So I gave it to him. And he was very thankful. But you see, for me, that wasn't a huge sacrifice. Because I had another one. I had a few other ones. Right? It's one thing that when we give out of our abundance, it's, it's one thing. But if we only had one of it, it's a totally different thing. It's like the woman who gave the two copper coins in the book of Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. This is what it says. And he sat down opposite the treasury. That's Jesus. He sat down and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had all she had to live on. The heart of the woman is like the heart of God. Now, it's not that God is in poverty, but he gave his one and only son for us. That's sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. Next thing, that whoever believes in him that whoever believes in him. God's love is not restricted access. It is available to all, period. Last, should not perish, but have eternal life. God's love is expressed through his desire, not to condemn us, but to cleanse us. 
You see the verse right after John 3, 16? Verse 17, this is what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Right? We learned that in Colossians 1, 3. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. If we want to know about God, we look at Jesus. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. We look at the life of Jesus. And we look at, when we look at Jesus, this is what we learn about God. That God would rather die than send people to hell to die. God would rather die than send people to hell to die. Now, I'm not saying that there is no hell. Hell is a choice. It is a choice. But God made his desire clear in sending his son. He wants us to know him and come into that place of relationship with him. That's what God desires. And what we see in Jesus is that. That he gave it all for that to be possible. That's our God. That's incredible love. Absolutely radical love that God demonstrates to us. And this is the type of love that God wants us to display to one another. Isn't that amazing? And so what do we learn from John 3.16? That church, we're called to love one another unconditionally. Unconditionally. If a person, a brother or a sister, someone does something, say something wrong, and and that, that offense gets planted in our hearts. See, offense is like a seed. It gets planted in our hearts. The roots grow deep and that's bitterness. And once that grows in, it's so difficult to uproot. It's very painful. But God calls us to love each other unconditionally. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. That is demonstrating unconditional love. We must love that way. Our love must be expressed through giving, not just in word, but in deed. Our love for each other needs to be sacrificial. Just as Jesus Christ came to serve, let us serve one another. And aim to serve one another. Aim to meet the other's needs. And we must, not, we must love not just those who love us back, not just those who look like us, talk like us, speak like us, dress like us, have similar jobs as us. God calls us to love one another across all socially constructed classes and categories. Love one another all across all age groups and seasons in life. To truly love the whosoevers, God calls us to love each other that way. Whosoever. And finally, we must love in a way that invites others to the source of eternal life the one who was and is and is to come, the one in whom our hope is securely found. 
Our love for one another must point others who are far from God towards God who sent his son to not condemn the world but so that the world might come to know him through Jesus Christ. For when we do that, all people will know that we are Christ's disciples by the way we love one another. Now there's a catch. This kind of love, we need to, imp- we need to experience it. We need to obtain it in order to give it. We need to have it in order to give it. We need to encounter it so that we can express it. And as love is made available for us right now through Jesus Christ, but we need to seek after it. We need to seek after him. You see, this is the the beauty and the mystery of God is that Life is a continual, never-ending treasure hunt for Him. And we continue to seek Him, continue to discover Him, yet continue to seek Him and continue to discover Him. This is the beauty of our lives. But we can stop short if we say, no, we're going to seek other things. We're going to put that on pause. We're going to seek comfort and love and life through the things of this world. And it doesn't satisfy. And and we get to a place where we're unable to express the kind of love that God calls us to love. We need to obtain it from God. We need to be empowered by God's love in order to express it. And in order to obtain it, we need to seek after it. I had one of those moments this week. Um, It's so easy to get sidetracked and have my mind focused on worries, you know. Anyone else like me? Come on, folks, right? And it's just, it can be difficult at times to focus on God. Very distracting. A lot of different things happen. I have a dog now, like uh, most of you know. You can say, James, why did you do that? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it's just one of those weeks. Again, and uh, the Lord revealed to me a verse, and it just hit me right between the eyes. I love it when God's word does that. You know, when you're seeking him. God, I need you. And, and, And one verse, just one verse, that's all it takes sometimes, right? One verse, and all of a sudden, you become alive inside And the cares of this world, it just melts away. It's like, they're nothing in comparison to God. My God is with me. You just know it. Not just know it. You know it. Every fiber of your being and all the worry and all the fear just says, see you later. I had one of those. And this verse is Psalm 27, verse 4. This is what it says. I'm going to read it from the NIV version. One thing, one thing I ask. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David wrote this. We're talking King David. He was a king. He could have anything he wants. Literally. I mean, his son Solomon did. Right? In Ecclesiastes, he says, I, I didn't deny anything that my eyes wanted. You know, David had that kind of life as well. He experienced that. He also experienced a lot of other things, trials and tribulations, but he was able to come to a place to say, Lord, one thing, one thing I ask from you. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon your beauty and to seek you in your temple. David understood the main thing in this life. It's God. It's discovering Him and rediscovering Him and rediscovering Him. Life is like a treasure hunt. And as you seek God, you find Him more. He'll strengthen you to seek Him even more. And you'll find Him more. But we need to seek Him more. So we're just going to have communion at this time. And I just ask that you would uh, just quiet your hearts this morning and just reflect on God, the goodness of God. Ask Him. For those of us who may not have experienced this love and you, you just, you just want to experience this love in your life, I pray that you would ask Him and that you would discover Him, that this verse would become real to you, not just in your mind, but in your spirit, in your heart, in your entire inner being, that this would come alive and this would be your hope. One thing I ask, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So communion, ushers, if you can come forward.